Thank you for listening to the Resources for Integrated Care podcast series supporting the preventive health needs of duly eligible women with disability. This podcast was recorded as part of a live event held on May 12, 2021. In this podcast, Dr. Monica Mitra, Director at the Lurie Institute for Disability Policy, provides an overview of the challenges and barriers to care that duly eligible women with disability face. I'm going to be in the next 10 minutes or so providing you with an overview of what we know about people who are duly eligible and really focusing on women who are duly eligible. And right off the bat, I'm going to tell you that uh, in terms of research, in terms of data, specifically when it comes to duly eligible women, um, the research is pretty slim. So what I'm going to end up doing is just talking about sort of what we know from the data and also filling in the gaps by discussing and by documenting what we know about women with disabilities in general. So first I'm going to give you an understanding of the population, like who are people who are duly eligible. Then I'm going to go into specifics about chronic conditions for women who are duly eligible, preventive care, preventive health care access, preconception care, as well as perinatal care. And for each of them, I'm going to discuss some of the barriers that women who are duly eligible face in accessing these types of care. And at the end, I'm going to summarize and give you uh, an idea of, of next steps and really what are the data gaps. So what we do know is that as of 2018, 12.2 million people were enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid. And 60% of duly eligible women, are, uh, duly eligible individuals are women. And this is based on the available data that we have. What we also know is that people who are duly eligible face high rates of chronic illnesses, chronic conditions, um, including diabetes, heart disease, hypertension. Um, about 60% of duly eligible people have multiple, experience multiple chronic conditions, and more than 40% have one or more mental health diagnoses. And across all ages, what we've seen is that the proportion of duly eligible women among those with multiple chronic conditions was higher than that of men. What we, just in terms of the general population, what we know is that disability and age, there's a strong correlation. So the older you are, the more likely you are to have a disability. When it comes to duly eligible individuals who have a disability, so 64% have reported not being able to access the needed care. And this includes preventive health services. So 64% of those who are not being able to access care are women. And duly eligible women, so on one hand, they have, uh, they're more likely to have problems in accessing care, including preventive care. And on the other part, side of it, duly eligible women who have a disability are more likely to be hospitalized and, and have a greater number of days, inpatient days, compared to their peers who are not duly eligible. Among the general population of disabled women, what we've seen the screening rates for breast and cervical cancer among women with disabilities are consistently below national standards. And there is some variation depending on the type of disability. So for example, in a study that was conducted a few years ago, what we found was that women with physical disabilities who develop breast and cervical cancer die from them at an earlier age compared to not. What are the barriers to preventive screening? And I, I know that my, the speakers after me are going to discuss this in greater detail, but people with disabilities 
face significant barriers to accessing care and to accessing preventive care. There have been reports, and, and this is um, to all the research that we've conducted, there's great difficulty in getting an appointment, and there are long wait times. Transportation issues, the lack of transportation, the lack of accessible transportation, the lack of accessible public transportation is a significant barrier for people with disabilities, whether it's accessing preventive care, accessing job opportunities, for social participation, literally every facet of their lives. So, in addition to transportation, what we've also seen is that even when they actually get to their providers, there is a lack of accessible equipment and there are a lack of accessible facilities. So even today, which is what, 31 years after the Americans with Disabilities Act, people with disabilities and women with disabilities are facing inaccessible healthcare environments every day. Women with disabilities, for example, often face challenges getting into the required position or onto an accessible exam table. In my research, what we've seen consistently is women with disabilities are, are, have reported just not being weighed. And we've even spoken to women with congenital disabilities who have never in their lives been in, uh, uh, and don't even know of an accessible weighing scale. There are also additional barriers, for example, communication barriers. There, there are, there's a limited uh, availability of appropriate and accessible communication tools. There's a lack of American Sign Language interpreters. And often, you know, beyond these, these barriers, what we've seen is women speak about attitudes, the providers and the support staff that they encounter. Sometimes the attitudes is related to just the lack of provider experience in, in providing uh, care to women with disabilities particularly when it comes to actually even having the knowledge. So this was a study we conducted in Massachusetts a few years ago. What we found is that rat techs, for example, often didn't have the appropriate experience and knowledge in positioning women with physical disabilities. And all of this, of course, is related to the lack of adequate provider and staff training and a lack of adequate training both in terms of interacting with people with disabilities but also to understand the diverse needs of women with disabilities. So in a, in a recent study by Lisa Izzoni and her colleagues, what they found was among the physicians that they surveyed, 41% reported feeling very confident about their ability to provide the same quality of care to individuals with disabilities compared to those without disabilities. And as I mentioned before, what we found is that women with disabilities often report that healthcare providers interact with them in a pejorative, in a condescending, and often in a, in a patronizing manner. So this was, um, you know, in this slide what we're seeing is, is that women with different disabilities are less likely to receive mammograms, the recommended ma mammograms compared to non-disabled women. So what we've seen is 73% uh, of women without disabilities report uh, between the ages of 50 and 74 report receiving a mammogram in the past year, compared to 67% of women, any disability, and when it comes to women with cognitive disabilities, they're the least likely to receive a mammogram. And again, we see similar disparities in terms of the receipt of, of pap for cervical cancer screening. And often what we've, in research that was conducted by Dr. Parrish, is what we've seen a lot of providers just assume that women with disabilities are non-sexual. And so there's a less of a likelihood of pap tests. In the research that I've conducted, what we've seen is that women with and without disabilities, while they report similar pregnancy intentions and their desire for children, but they often receive disparate treatment compared to non-disabled women when seeking contraceptive care. 
They're also less likely to use uh, uh, moderately effective measures of contraception, but they are more likely to be sterilized and uh, sterilized and also sterilized at younger ages. And so on one hand, what we're seeing is that women with disabilities, there are biggest disparities in terms of their preconception care. But when they get pregnant and when they are seeking prenatal and perinatal care, what we're seeing is that women with disabilities are more vulnerable to multiple risk factors. They're also more vulnerable to pregnancy complications. There are higher rates of adverse birth outcomes, including preterm birth, including babies who are smaller babies. So preterm birth as well as infants that are on small for gestational age. And they are more likely to experience pejorative attitudes from their healthcare practitioners, both at preconception care and throughout their prenatal care. So I just want to summarize my presentation by just saying, is again, reiterating what I stated earlier on, is that there is really a need for data and a need, of, need for greater understanding about the needs and the experiences of dually eligible women in terms of they're seeking preventive care. We know that people with disabilities and women with disabilities, particularly women who are duly eligible, they are more likely to have higher levels of poverty, of poor mental health, worse overall health, elevated levels of stress and trauma, and poor experiences with their healthcare practitioners. So what we really need to do is also understand how these factors and their social determinants of health impact their access to preventive care. And I do want to end by pointing out that what we know very little about is the intersection between disability and other marginalized identities. This includes women, for example, who are, are racial and ethnic minority women with disabilities, and we understand what are their experiences, what are their outcomes, and what are their, you know, what are the access barriers that they face when it comes to access. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care. You can also find resources for integrated care on LinkedIn to stay up to date with our recent products and technical assistance.